Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Hey, if you are late to the Adnan Syed case, I recommend a BBC link which made the newsletter today and is posted right now at Smirconish.com. Adnan Syed and Serial, What You Need to Know. Uh, our friend Danny Savalos is in transit. I think I'm about to catch up with him at uh, Penn Station in New York City where he's about to catch a train because I, I want to pursue something that he tweeted yesterday and also share with you a reaction from today's Washington Post that I think is just spot on. In 2000, Adnan Syed, a high school senior in Baltimore, Maryland, was convicted of strangling and killing his ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee. The case, says the BBC, in which the prosecution painted Syed as a violent and jealous ex-lover who brutally killed a bright and talented young woman, made national headlines. And of course, on Monday, a Maryland judge overturned his conviction and set a deadline for a new trial. For nearly 25 years, Syed has maintained his innocence. His case won a massive boost from an unlikely source, a podcast. More than a decade after Syed was sent to prison, Rabia Chaudhry, a Baltimore-based lawyer and family friend of the Syeds, emailed a journalist named Sarah Koenig and asked her to reinvestigate Lee's murder. That email helped launch the first season of the podcast Serial. The show premiered in the autumn of 2014. Each episode tried to piece together a timeline of what happened the night that Lee was killed. Uh, I would just add to that that Rabia Chowdhury was my guest back in 2016, and we released as a book club podcast my interview with her, which I think is really worthy of your attention. Uh, so, too, my interview with Kevin Urich, who was the prosecutor and who you don't see in the media discussing this. But I interviewed him back in 2015, and that was a release of my daily podcast. Danny Savalos is, of course, the NBC and MSNBC legal analyst. I followed a thread of his on Twitter yesterday, which begins this way. I have a theory. Okay, Danny, what is your theory? Yeah, first of all, Michael, you're being very charitable. I, the truth is, and we'll peek behind the curtain, I pitched that thread because I'm so fired up about this topic. But thank you for saying you stumbled upon it. Uh, you stumbled upon it because I, uh, I forced it on your plate. But, yes, I am <laughs> fired up about this one because I do believe, and let me start by saying this, my predictions are usually wrong. Uh, This might be as well, but my theory is that the state of Maryland will quietly let the 30 days that are now ticking away on the clock for them to decide to retry Adnan Syed. They will let those expire, uh, and hopefully for them, the news uh, will have moved on to some other topic because they have no interest in retrying this case. And part of that is because the evidence that they would have to amass after uh, 20 years would be every bit as unreliable, if not more unreliable, as witnesses die or forget things or move away. But in addition, what I think this motion really conceals is that the state really does believe that Adnan Syed, they either believe he's innocent or they want him to go free, but they want to stop short and make a big show of saying that they don't believe he's innocent. And since I have uh, some experience handling wrongful conviction claims, I believe that move is code for uh, avoiding a major bill uh, foisted upon the state of Maryland because of Maryland's wrongful conviction law, which allows people wrongfully convicted to seek compensation from the state. Because if the state admits in a filing 
that they believe he's innocent. They've essentially admitted the burden of proof that Syed would have to meet uh, if and when he certainly will file suit against the uh, state of Maryland. Or I should say more, I think more precisely, it's making a claim. Would it be capped, Danny? How much could the state of Maryland be on the hook for Adnan Syed's incarceration in the scenario you just described? So it's so fascinating because many some states have enacted wrongful conviction statutes, which are viewed as a positive thing. But sometimes, in my jaded view, as somebody who handles these cases, the state enacts these statutes, but then creates a kind of cap or a limitation that, in my opinion, is far less than what you should get if the state wrongfully convicts you and sends you to prison for two decades. And, you know, I would just ask our listeners, oh, there's the Amtrak announcement. Sorry, folks. But the, but the, I would ask our listeners, you know, if you were wrongfully convicted, what would you think would be an appropriate compensation per year for the time that you were incarcerated? Now, in my opinion, for me, I feel like it would be no less than a million dollars. Uh, but in Maryland, the calculus is this, and I've read the statute. It requires you to figure out the, uh, at the uh, median household income for the state of Maryland, which I went to the census, and uh, the census data shows that is, surprisingly, $87,000, median income for a household in the state of Maryland. You then figure out what the daily rate is based on that, figure out how many days the person was incarcerated, and voila, you've essentially, it seems like, you're paying someone $87,000 a year for being wrongfully incarcerated. Now, that comes down for Adnan Syed to about a little around two million dollars, which is no small chunk of change, but to have your life you know, taken away from you for two decades for an exoneree, uh, it doesn't seem like a lot to me. And by the way, this really has nothing to do with whether or not I think Adnan Syed is innocent. I rather would probably tend to think that the uh, that the state had more than enough evidence to convict him. That doesn't really bear on his innocence, but uh, it was certainly not a case where there was insufficient evidence. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Danny, Danny, yeah. I, I, I can't buy it that Marilyn Mosby would hold back from saying she thinks he's innocent to save the state two mil. I'm much more cynical than you are. I, I think she puts her political future way the hell ahead of the tax bill for Maryland residents. I agree. I actually agree with you. Because remember, Marilyn Mosby's been around a long time. She was uh, around during the Freddie Gray controversy, yes, right. which I covered on site in Maryland during the, you know, the protests and, and everything. That was really some experience. But, yeah, she's been around for a while. And, of course, the, the million-dollar question in my mind that nobody seems to have answered is that why now? Why this motion now? I mean, I've read the motion, and yes, there's this newly discovered evidence, but why wasn't it newly discovered almost a decade ago when the uh, when the podcast came out? This is the most scrutinized case possibly ever, and only now in the last year or so. Oh, now there's some newly discovered evidence that makes us doubt the validity of the conviction. Well, can I so, can I, specu- I, I can yeah. I speculate? I I think sure. the reason I think the reason they don't want to flat out say that he's innocent. First of all. I don't know if if you're read in or knowledgeable in terms of how I look at this case, but I I am. okay. I think this case became, you know, great radio theater, but not a search for the truth. 
And I don't have a fixed view of Syed's guilt or innocence. I do have a fixed view that people who listen to the Serial podcast got all kind of caught up in uh, the presentation of it and lost track of the fact that, you know, Heyman Lee needs to be represented here. And perhaps it was too flowery a presentation for Syed. I'm not saying it clearly, but hopefully you follow where I'm coming from. But my specific yes. my specific answer to you is that perhaps the state doesn't want to extend itself on innocence because then months down the road, when they finally ferret out these two guys, maybe that all falls apart. And then it's like, well, OK, who did it then? That's right. And that creates a problem as well. I mean, I think if nothing else, by not going so far as to say that the state believes he's innocent, yes, they save a, a major invoice from Syed, but, you know, they don't want to go so far as to say that on record in case you're right. He fails to be able to prove his innocence, which now if he sues, the burden is really on him to establish that what he was and the standard in Maryland is erroneously convicted. Now, I don't know if that's exactly the same as actual innocence, but it sure is close. And, you know, you bring up another thing. You know, I, you are more neutral than I. When this podcast came out, as a criminal defense attorney, you know, my view was there's no question that there was enough evidence uh, for a conviction. And the mere fact that a reporter might find somebody incarcerated to be charming and nice and affable. I got, a, I got news for you. I spend a lot of time talking to prisoners. They are the most affable uh, <laughs> and persuasive, uh, maybe manipulative. Right. They are, I mean, they are, they spend 24 hours a day while you and I have jobs and everybody does stuff. They're thinking of ways to manipulate the outside world to possibly secure their release. Imagine if you devoted all of your, your, every calorie you ingested to that kind of effort. And so for that reason, they're often incredibly charming. I mean, there are whole TV shows based uh, on the idea that uh, I'm dating a prisoner. I mean, you don't get that way without Internet access and without in-person contact unless you are incredibly persuasive. So, I mean, in my mind, was there enough? To, will, will we ever know if Adnan Syed was innocent? I don't think so. No. And that's the, that's the sad truth of criminal defense and criminal justice system is that you may get a conviction or an acquittal, but you really never know. I mean, you, you never know for sure. Yeah. Only the defendant knows. Danny, two, two, so for, yeah. two, th- two things, if I may, and then you can, you can run for that train. Thing number one is, uh, to your last point about they had evidence sufficient to convict him, they had a guy who said, I helped him bury the body. I mean, that's pretty compelling it, evidence, right? It is, yes. You know, to give you the counter to that, there is often the argument that cooperating witnesses have lots of credibility problems. But just in my experience, juries are willing to believe that, you know, the, the person pointing the finger at the defendant on the stand isn't an angel. And prosecutors will always say, look, it takes a criminal right. to catch a criminal. But you're right. That kind of direct evidence in terms of appellate quantum of evidence to uphold a conviction, that's more than enough. I mean, I've had plenty of cases where the uh, cooperating witness has horrible credibility issues, but the mere fact that that there's direct evidence that they stand up in court and point out the defendant and say, that's the guy, as far as appellate courts are concerned, that's generally enough for a conviction. Final observation. I have to believe that if I came into Savalos and Wong, your law firm, and I said, Danny, I, I need a podcast what files do you have that would lend themselves to it that you would truly be able to hand to me multiple of your client files and say, you can make a podcast out of this one? Absolutely. I can think of two or three right now. I mean, yes, every criminal defense attorney 
has that case where, you know, no matter how it went down, they think, I still don't know the answer right. to the ultimate question that we never really ask, which is, did you do it or did you not? Because we never ask that question. We don't want to know the answer. Danny, thank you, sir. There's there's a seat for you in the uh, Acela waiting right now. Acela, sir, I'm a Keystone man. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my budget. <laughs> Danny, thank you for allowing us to intrude on your travel. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you, Danny Savalos, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Okay. Look, there is a piece posted today at Smirconish.com from Molly Roberts in the Washington Post, who I think typically writes about technology. But she has channeled what I've been saying here about this case. Headline, Adnan Syed's fans may be cheering for the wrong reason. And she says, and I won't read the whole thing to you, but she says, Adnan Syed is free. But the seemingly feel-good story, a teenage boy dubiously imprisoned for the murder of his ex-girlfriend, finally walks out of prison almost a quarter century later, gets queasy when you look a little further. For the headphoneless rock dwellers out there, the briefest of recaps. Syed was convicted in 2000 of strangling Heyman Lee, whose body was discovered buried in a Baltimore park. He said he was innocent and continued saying so for 15 years until suddenly the whole world heard when Sarah Koenig picked him as the subject of her breakout series. She never proved Syed innocent. She couldn't have. But to hear the cheering crowd on the steps of the courthouse Monday, you'd think she had. And that's part of the problem. Further along, those in the crowd largely weren't cheering because they didn't believe Syed was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. They were cheering because they didn't believe he was guilty at all. The thing is, the legal system and journalism don't operate toward the same ends, and that's especially so for the journalism-entertainment hybrid that true crime shows embody. Or, as I said it in a column that I wrote in 2015, quote, the combination of a whodunit, Koenig's mellifluous voice and excellent production values has created a new-age version of an old-time radio play. But with its breezy presentation and cliffhangers, it is not a trial-like presentation of evidence and lacks the cross-examination necessary for a real search for the truth, a point that might be lost on whoever is inclined to buy the merchandise, meaning the free Adnan t-shirts. So, I mean, that's what I said years ago. That's exactly what is being said today in the Washington Post by Molly Roberts, who concludes this way. Serial, even with the most of spin stripped away, pretty clearly reveals a miscarriage of justice. Shaky witnesses, shaky evidence, shaky verdict. To that extent, this week's ruling is worth celebrating. What happened to Syed was unfair. Just as what happened to so many other imprisoned people whose lives don't lend themselves to record-breaking audio entertainment, fairness, however, is different from the truth, which we haven't gotten today and may never get. 
Vacated conviction may sound final, but Adnan Syed isn't really free yet unless prosecutors decide to drop the case rather than retry him. And of course, even a final verdict exonerating him would only determine what the legal system is supposed to figure out. Whether he's guilty, yes, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's how life works, bereft of tidy conclusions. Just don't tell that to the people cheering outside the courthouse or gobbling up true crime shows on the couch. Again, that's Molly Roberts in today's Washington Post and yours truly writing for, was I writing for the Inquirer or the Daily News? Philadelphia Inquirer, Sunday Inquirer, January 18, 2015. What I said then, she said today. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.